This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I love giant antlers. Um, And when I'm out hunting, I'm daydreaming of giant antlers and giant animals. But what's more important to me is filling that freezer. Welcome to the National Wildlife Federation Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Youngdike. The National Wildlife Federation Outdoors Podcast is presented by Rep Your Water and their 3% for conservation commitment. My guest today is Michael Cravens. Michael works for the Arizona Wildlife Federation, our affiliate in Arizona, and actually last year's affiliate of the year. I was instructed that I had to interview Michael from our mutual friend, Jesse Dubell, who's the executive director of the New Mexico Wildlife Federation, who you can hear on one of our earlier podcasts as well. And with a recommendation like that, I, I had to follow it up. Uh, Michael, um, tell me about your, your role with the Arizona Wildlife Federation and what brings you there. Sure, sure. Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, this is exciting. Uh, this is my, my first podcast, too. So bear with me. I'm a bit nervous and misspeak here and there. Um, so, yeah, what, what brings me to uh, the Wildlife Federation is, well, obviously, you know, a, a lifelong interest in, in the outdoors uh, and wildlife, um, but then also kind of a, a perfect storm of events that allowed me to take this position, you know, when it was presented to me. Um, fortunately, yeah, I, I was working in another career that I didn't necessarily want to be in, but it, but it paid our bills. And, uh, and that was during the time that my wife was going back to school to become an RN. So upon her graduation, um, she went to work right away. And this position was presented to me. Uh, and, and as you know, in advocacy, you know, it's, it's, it's not a high income position. So uh, having my wife uh, become the primary breadwinner, that allowed me a little freedom to, uh, to get out of what I was currently doing and, uh, and explore this as an option. And I, could, I can't tell you how happy I am to be in a position um, 
doing work that, that matters to me uh, and it matters to all of us. So yeah, I'm extremely happy to be here and doing this. Well, as a, as a fellow employee of a conservation nonprofit uh, corporation, um, you know, some people hear the word nonprofit and, and they assume that that means that nobody makes any money. And us as employees of a nonprofit, um, we do get a salary, but uh, it's often not much over not making any money. <laughs> so, right. but it allows us to advocate for, for wildlife and conservation and the things that we love. Um, tell me about uh, what you'll be doing in your new role uh, with the Arizona Wildlife Federation. Sure, sure. Um, my position is advocacy and communication coordinator. Right now, right now, on a personal level, what I'm trying to do is learn as much as I can and at the same time also be productive um, and be worth keeping around. Uh, but primarily, um, I am taking the workload off a lot of our board members and volunteers so they can be freed up to do what, what a board's supposed to do. Um, I'm, I'm handling a lot of the communications, um, uh, magazine development. I'm handling uh, the e-newsletter. I'm handling all the social media um, and on top of that, you know, and, and, you know, I feel like this position is probably going to evolve as they move along too. And of course I'm open to that, but, but honestly, right now I, I'm, I'm just want to be useful um, while I am learning the position. So yeah, there's a lot to learn, uh, but, um, but I'm excited to be here and excited to be doing it. That's great. And, um, you know, your, your board has, uh, has left some big shoes to fill then if you're taking anything off oh, their plate because Brad Powell, I got yeah. to meet him uh, at the annual meeting this year. Um, you know, their work helped, helped Arizona Wildlife Federation um, become actually the affiliate of, of the year. Um, tell me a little bit about the Arizona Wildlife Federation, um, its role in the state, um, a little bit about its history, maybe some of the, the things that you're working on now. Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, first off, you mentioned Brad. Um, a terribly, terribly impressive, well-educated, well-spoken man, and uh, I, I consider myself very lucky to be working as closely as I am with him now. Uh, but aside from Brad, um, our board, as and I, I'm not going to make up numbers here because they'll screw it up, but there is a large amount of professional agency and biology experience on that board. I mean, we have people that have been, you know, doing this, uh, you know, either in advocacy are, are with the Arizona Game and Fish, um, you know, 50 plus years. So we have a number of these gentlemen and it's just, it's amazing um, the amount of knowledge that we have our, on our fingertips with the board here. Um, so regarding what the kind of things we're working on, um, a lot of it, you know, is, is, you know, federal level type stuff that we're all experiencing, you know, whether that be Land and Water Conservation Fund or the Recovering American Wildlife Act. Um, and of course, climate. Climate's a big one. Um, here in Arizona, it, it's, you know, we, we feel the effects of this, uh, I think, pretty, pretty clearly in the form of, of drought. And of course, with drought, you get wildfires. And of course, with that, you, you know, for instance, our population of Mount Graham red squirrels, a federally listed subspecies. Um, again, I, I, I want to be careful not to, not to shoot numbers out here that aren't exactly accurate, but that population took a severe hit um, through wildfire. Um, so it's a big deal out here in the Southwest and, uh, and something that we're, we're currently always looking at working on. Um, 
other than that, uh, mining is always a big issue here. Um, you know, we have the Rosemount Mine in southeast Arizona that uh, it pops its its ugly head up from time to time. Uh, we have the uranium uranium mining up around the Grand Canyon. That's a big issue. So these are all things that we watch and work on. And, and to this position, you actually bring quite a bit of experience um, in the outdoors uh, to it, to issues like this. Uh, a lot of experience with the wildlife that you'll be advocating to recover, a lot of experience on the public lands that you'll be advocating to, to keep and protect. Um, tell me a little about, a bit about your experience as an outdoorsman and a naturalist. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, that goes back a long, long way. Um, literally, you know, I, I've, I've spent, I'm 44 years old now, and I have spent you know, my entire life uh, deeply immersed in natural history. I mean, it, it's been my driving force since I was a young child. And, you know, luckily I grew up on, on the edge of a small town uh, in, in Missouri and in some Ozark border country um, that allowed me to, you know, make basically daily expeditions, you know, out exploring the, the country, countryside, the farmland, the wooded hills and rivers around my home. Um, and, you know, that along with, I, I should give a shout out here to my, my grandfather was bedridden with multiple sclerosis. Um, his best friend was named Fielding Chandler. Fielding Chandler uh, was the oldest scout in America. The man lived to 102 years old, um, and he took it upon himself. Uh, and my father was out of the picture when I was when I was young, but he took it upon himself to take my brother and I out either hiking or paddling every single weekend. So, you know, th this stuff was ingrained into me at a very young age, um, and it, it never never wavered. I mean, even throughout my teenage years, when I was being a goofball, you know, I, I still had had this. I had the outdoors. Um, I was introduced to hunting uh, by a neighbor of mine, actually through fishing, you know, because uh, a lot of the kids like like me or you, we probably um, share a, a childhood obsessed with fishing. But um, yeah, I got introduced to a, a neighbor that, that hunted and him and I started taking our pellet guns after squirrels. And of course, this was, you know, back in days where we had a bit more freedom to, to roam and explore. And, uh, you know, had some grand adventures um, and, and I got hooked. Uh, that took me through um, into my mid-20s, hunting and fishing, started fly fishing seriously. That started taking me out west. Um, it was when I got out west that I was introduced to other other areas, um, you know, more what people like to call the non-consumptive side of, of outdoor recreation, uh, that I started backpacking a lot and I started paddling. Um, I've done some just exquisite long backpack trips. Uh, I did the Appalachian Trail back in 2000. Then I did the Continental Divide Trail, which travels uh, from Mexico to Canada through the Rocky Mountains in 2008. Then, uh, you know, uh, and since to, from then to now, you know, lots of little trips here and there, um, traveling around this country. Uh, I've spent a lot of time studying and looking at crayfish when I was back east. Um, reptiles and amphibians have always been a, a, a very serious interest of mine. Um, and a big reason that I, I ended up in the Southwest. Then, let's see. I tell you, this is going to be a long story. Um, That's all right. <laughs> we're here to listen. Uh, got out west here. Um 
Well, I met met my wife, which was my girlfriend at the time. We came out to Arizona just to explore. We both took jobs as, as adventure guides. Uh, ended up having babies out here, getting married, and our roots got deeper and deeper. And it was at that point that I had always wanted to start hunting again. Um, after I took that long break where I was just playing around with backpacks and whatnot, and. Uh, we uh we were out here for about five years and i decided that was long enough um and i jumped back in and, and i have not looked back so that ended up leading me to backcountry hunters and anglers um and then i should throw in there that uh i did volunteer uh and did a lot of advocacy work with um uh east ozarks audubon society uh back home and, and i was doing that in my early 20s so it was basically me a buddy of mine and a lot of old folks um, on the small board of directors, but we had a big impact on our area. You know, we we designated a nature sanctuary. You know, we we put up bird feeders and built a blind, and it's still there today. So I'm really proud of that. But uh, getting back out here, uh, starting and hunting again, um, yeah, it brought me to backcountry hunters and anglers, and you know that that's a fantastic group of people. You know, um, and there's a lot of crossover with that in the wildlife society and those kind of groups, whether it be Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Wildlife Society, uh, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, um, or Trout Unlimited, uh, I think they really attract good, thoughtful people that, uh, you know, or maybe you could call them conservationists first, hunters second, or anglers second, but um, people that care about the outdoors and care about what happens to them, care about the future of them. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that uh, here at the at the National Wildlife Federation as well, as well as in our affiliates, like Arizona. I actually used to work for our affiliate in uh, Michigan before I, I came to work here as well as uh, I was on the board of, of our state chapter of BHA as well. And I find like a lot of our, our advocates that work on the same issues and care about the same issues uh, generally become members of all the all the organizations. Yep, and yep. Um, a lot of them kind of basically if you go to 2% for conservation and look at the organizations that those companies support, it ends up being uh kind of this group of organizations that often, you know, we all have slightly different missions and, and focuses. Uh, but if you put us together, we kind of work in the same space in the same issues. And mm-hmm. uh, it kind of makes a complete conservation mosaic when you put yeah. us together. Um, have, have you found that with, with uh, Arizona hunters and anglers as well? Were they the ones that, that kind of brought you back into Western hunting? Did you find that on your own? Or did you no, find some I mentors found that on my own, um, and then that kind of t- t- took me to them. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think like you and I discussed earlier, what I like about these groups is they kind of fall firmly in the middle of, of what I, I personally, anyway, would consider two opposite extremes. Um, so, and I want to be careful here, uh, but there's because neither of these I want to represent as extreme because because I, I don't believe that. But if you would have an idea of you know the kind of work the Sierra Club does versus the kind of work the the Elk Federation does, um, we fall right in the middle of there, um, and you know we're, we're firmly bipartisan um, and this is how I feel on a personal level too. So I feel like I've landed in a really good spot for me because um, my ideologies are, are true to the organization I, I'm working with. 
But um, and that, that's what I like about these groups is they can I see the value in both the consumptive and non-consumptive sides. And I know those are uh, delicate terms um, and I know there's a lot of argument on, you know, if they even apply, um, but uh, it's an easy way to explain it. Um, you know, I've lived and played on both sides and I see value in both sides and the value that, that you know, all, the value in the work that all of these groups are doing, you know, even if I don't always agree with every little detail. And, and, and with the National Wildlife Federation, I know the way that our state uh, affiliates operate as well. The way I like to describe it is that we're like the Willie Nelson of conservation, where the, where the rednecks and the hippies can all get along. Um, and, and kind of what we do is um, we're, not, we're not just in the middle of, of the two sides, but we're actually all-encompassing of people on a little bit of the extreme on one side and the extreme on the other side. And with the, the National Federation, at least, uh, we have 52 uh, state and territorial affiliates. Um, rough estimate, I'd say probably 29 of those are primarily the representatives of hunters and anglers in their state, and the other 23 um, represent maybe like the state Audubon or Environmental League or uh, yep. Watershed Network. But what that does is, at least for our policy resolutions, which determine what our actual policies on the conservation issues are, it keeps our position in the middle because neither side is really going to let the other one go too far and right. where our policies land is where those two sides can find common ground for wildlife. And at least as a, as an employee, it means that when I'm, when I'm set to advocate on an issue and communicate about an issue, I know that that's an issue where both kind of the more environmental side and the more hook and bullet side have said, you know what, we can agree on that. Let's go do it. Yep. Yep. And that, that's, that's why I'm excited to be here. That, that's the kind of, that's the space I want to work in. Yep. Now, when you talk about uh, consumptive, um, that, that reminds me of the hat that you're wearing. Of course, if you're listening to this, you can't see this, but uh, we're, we're chatting on video chat. And uh, I noticed that both of us are wearing hunt to eat uh, ball caps uh, from Mating Patelis's uh, company that uh, he, he recorded a podcast with us earlier this summer with Nicole Qualcieri. Um, as well. Uh, but you're, you're an ambassador for Hunt to Eat as well, not just a, a customer like me. I am. Um, tell, me, tell me about that process. Uh, what, what do you do as an ambassador? What about um, that concept um, a- appealed to you? Sure, sure. Um, well, first off, uh, you know, oh, I, I will, will never fib. Um, I love giant antlers. Um, and when I'm out hunting, I'm daydreaming of giant antlers and giant animals. But what's more important to me is filling that freezer. Um, I take a great deal of pride uh, in the fact that 90, I'd say 95%, basically at least all the red meat, you know, minus a few chickens here and there, um, that my family consumes is, is wild meat. And that's meat that my taking had literally has zero environmental impact um, other than the gasoline takes me to go out there and get it. Um, and, you know, and I know that's not feasible for everyone, but, but it makes me feel good about my family and how I'm doing things. So the food aspect of hunting is a very big deal to me. Um, it, it's taught me, it's taught me how to cook as well. You know, if you're going to kill an animal and bring it home, you, you want to sh- show it the respect it deserves and do your best with it. So I've learned a lot uh, with that. In fact, uh, myself and uh, my partner, Jonathan O'Dell, who is uh, widely known as a small game biologist in, in here in Arizona, uh, we, uh, we won the uh, wild game cook-off at the by country hunters and anglers rendezvous last year and i've uh, still got the trophy sitting up here next to me and uh 
with our current pandemic, I might not even have to give it up for a while. So <laughs> I would be happy to give it up to someone else, but it looks like I might be hanging on to it for a little bit. Um, I think yeah. uh, Michigan came in what second or third? They, I know they're they. I know they placed, but you're the. I one don't remember all the places, but yes, I remember them. I remember them placing though. I was excited and beer fueled, and um, so the whole thing is a big old blur to me. But it was a great time, and some fantastic dishes were made for sure. You you got a a pretty full freezer uh this year um i've had a tell, great year, tell me a little year. Bit about um how, how your season went over the past year and uh <laughs> some of some of the animals that that you hunted and sure, sure. The meals that you made from them yeah this um this is gonna sound like bragging but i promise you it's literally just a representation of how lucky i was this year and i was lucky um uh, I, I don't think I've mentioned yet. Um, I have two small children. I've got a four-year-old little girl and a seven-year-old boy and, and, and a wonderful wife. Um, so I'm busy. You know, I think anybody in that part of their life will understand just how busy that is. Um, and I'm also an obsessive outdoorsman that needs my time in the outdoors. So it's hard to get out. It's very hard to get out. Plus, I, I live in the, the middle of, I think, what is touted as the fifth largest city in the world. I might be wrong. But it's a big city, and I'm right smack dab in the middle. So not easy to get out and get a hunt in before work in the morning kind of thing. But this year, um, I got extremely lucky. And every one of the animals I mentioned, I literally took on my first day out. Um, so if you look at my Instagram page, you think, oh, this guy's in the field all the time. Not really the case. I'm working all the time. I take care of my kids all the time. Um, but I just got really lucky this year. Uh, so I started with an elk, uh, with my rifle. Um, then, uh, no, I'm sorry. I started with a bear I took with my bow this year. And that was exciting. Um, you know, a, kind of a spot and stock situation on the ground eight yards away. Um, so just, it's a really exciting hunt there. Um, terrible pack out following up, but, uh, then, uh, and bear has quickly become one of the favorite meats of my family. Everybody loves it and I love it, but, um, black bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, black bear. Uh, we haven't had grizzlies in Arizona, unfortunately, for a very long time. But fortunately, I guess, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> but, um, then I took uh, I took an elk with my rifle. And of course, that's that's the big one. That's the meat for the year, you know, and it's a, an internal struggle I'm having regularly is here in Arizona, you know, it, it, it differs depending on what you're doing, but you're looking at anywhere from three to five to seven years in between bull elk tags, especially rut tags. Um, so I have this dichotomy of wanting to put meat in the freezer every year, which I can almost hunt every year for cows. Uh, but also, you know, I want to go out and chase those rutting bulls with my bow. And so I got to figure out what's more important is filling that freezer or waiting on that tag. But um, following that up, uh, I took a deer with my bow, a mule deer with my bow. And uh, then my boy and I, we went out just a couple weeks ago um, and it was his kind of first big game hunt. And uh, we ended up working hard all day and ended up with a, with Havelina. Um, now to be clear, again, every one of those animals was taken on my first day out. Again, purely luck, no wow. skill there. <laughs> but um, and, and, but to, to even it out a little bit, uh, in Arizona, we can take one deer per year. Um, so my deer I took in 2019, 2020 comes around, I can buy another tag and go chase deer again, you know, for another month. Um, and I hunted hard that month. <laughs> I didn't kill anything, so it didn't even get close. So it wasn't all great. So hopefully that's not a representation of what 2020 is going to be like for me, but I, hopefully this lucky streak holds out. But That's, that's great. What, what do you use for um, for ammunition with your, with your rifle hunt for your own? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I've, I've gone... All copper um, or monolithic. Uh, 
and I'm not trying to make a political statement there. You know, I, I try to be respectful of everybody's opinions and ideologies, but for me, it's a no brainer. Um, they work, they work great. Uh, I've had zero bad experiences. Um, so yeah, Barnes is what I'm shooting now. Okay. Um, yeah, I would recommend everybody try it. You know, even if you, even if you're unsure about it, give it a try. It shoots great and it drops animals. You know, that, that that's, that's what I hear. Um, I, I haven't, um, I haven't hunted out because here in uh, Michigan, uh, we do have an elk herd of about a thousand, but um, we get about um, fifty thousand applications for about two hundred tags every year. And yeah. We get one yeah. a lifetime, yeah. and I haven't drawn it yet. <laughs> uh, but but you know, at the National Wildlife Federation, we encourage the voluntary use of of non lead mm-hmm. ammunition. Absolutely. But you have an interesting program in Arizona in the Condor region, where the Arizona Department of Fish and Game um, incentivizes the voluntary adoption of non-lead, um, you know, through various measures in that range. Do you, is that the area where you're yeah. in or is that a different part of the state? Um, actually, you know, I, I was up in that area. I did not pay attention because I was already shooting copper, but uh-huh. I was in unit 10 this past year. And, and that, that goes all the way up to the Grand Canyon. It's a big unit. Um, and that is where our condos are. Um, as far as that incentive program, I know that there was, I, I, I remember reading there was some incentive, there was some free ammunition available, things like that. It is a voluntary program. They strongly want you to, but I don't know what the current state of those incentives are, so I can't really speak on that. Um, but yeah, they, they do encourage it, and uh, I think that's great. And I think a lot of people up there do take it seriously, um, and I, I certainly hope so. I know they've had a lot of success with that program. I just can't speak on the exact details. Yeah, and, and I did a little bit of research on that for a paper I wrote, uh, article I wrote for National Wildlife Magazine, just on the basic details of it. Um, they do that. They do uh, uh, trade-in for ammunition, um, and if you don't do that, then they encourage you to pack it out. I think they have yeah, something like a 95% compliance rate um, with that. And it's actually become a model for voluntary incentive programs as opposed to uh, yeah. regulatory, like what California is doing. Um, yeah, yeah. Arizona is very much one of those states that doesn't like being told what to do. Um, and uh, I think that's great in a lot of cases. Um, in a lot of cases, maybe not so much. But um, in, in areas like that, um, you can't argue with the results. Uh, you know, people do seem to respect it. I, I think they appreciate not being mandated to do things. And um, Arizona loves to like point fingers at California when it comes to the mandated things, but I'm happy to help you do that. Um, (laughs) Now, uh, when when you, when you started using copper, was it, um, was there a consideration of not leaving lead um, in in the game meat that you put in your freezer? Was it primarily for the performance of it? No, no, no. Um, it, it, was, it was primarily for the environmental impact. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a California condor. They are an exquisite beast. Um, you know, and, and I love all birds, all raptors. You know, I, I'm very much, I'm not just a sportsman. Um, yeah, I love all manner of wildlife and, and I get excited about all of it. Um, and if if I can lessen my impact on the overall ecosystem by making a simple switch like that, you know, that, that's, that's my motivation. Um, now I will say, sure. Do I feel good that my, the meat I'm serving my children isn't full of blood? Yes. Um, you know, I don't want to do that. You know, even, even if it's a, just a, a small, small, tiny fraction of a chance that that could be harmful to them. Yeah. You, know, you don't expose your children to that. And it's just, it's just such an easy thing to do, you know? That's, that's, that's great to hear. Um, I've, I've switched uh, myself, and I'll be honest, it wasn't on my radar before I came to work for the Federation. And 
Yeah. Um, for those same concerns up where I uh, hunt and fish, we have eagles and loons, and, and they're the reason I switch for um, yeah. start tying flies to make loons sure that all my flies too. contain non-lead and yeah. all, that, all that kind of thing. Um, now, do you still have quite a bit um, as far as uh, sustaining you through um, – you know, into now as, as all of us, uh, at least much of us around the country are in this lockdown state and we're making, you know, well, one thing about this, this uh, unfortunate situation we're in with the pandemic is it's for me anyway, it's made me realize how fortunate I really am. Um, And granted, it's a little scary that my wife works in a hospital, but she, she works in a heart hospital. So right now she's not on the front lines of it. I know they've had a couple cases there. Um, and you know, that could change, obviously if things get worse. Um, I am, I'm extremely grateful. I got a freezer full of meat. Um, a lot of people don't have that. And you know, that might not become an issue for us societally. Anyway, I, I've got a lot of faith that we're going to be just fine as a society. Um, but, uh, I, I'm grateful that I do have this position, which allows me to largely work from home during this. So, so my wife and I are both employed. Um, and we got a lot of meat in the freezer. Uh, I'm, I'm in a very good situation. And yes, it's, it's made me realize just how well off I am. You know, a lot of people are really hurting right now. Um, yeah, yeah I, I feel for them, but, but I'm also very grateful to be where I am right now. Yeah. And it, it's, that's kind of the approach that, that we've taken at, um, at the National Wildlife Federation as well. Um, our, our offices are closed at least through the end of April. Um, everybody's working from home, but everybody's working and, and yep. we're all very grateful for yep. that. And there's still plenty of work to do. There's no question about uh, that. We're, we're privileged in, 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 in being able to do that because a, a lot of folks aren't. Um, and, and certainly keeping people healthy is, is, our, is our first concern. And um, Helping, helping folks get back on their feet if, if they're not in that, that case is, is a second. So we've actually slowed down some of our advocacy, understanding that some of our federal yeah. issues right now are, are not at the top of the priority concern for Washington right now. And we, rec- we recognize that. Um, what, what is Arizona Wildlife Federation doing? Are, are you all working from home now as well? Is, yeah, is yeah the, the staff is. Yeah. Um, you know, we, uh, we've got three full-time staffers and, and you contract people. Um, and again, yeah, fortunately, there's plenty of work to keep us all busy. Um, and, and, you know, your statements mirror, you know, us in Arizona as well. You know, uh, uh, public safety comes first. Um, all, for, you know, a lot of fun stuff has been canceled. You know, hopefully we can get back to normal and get all these things rescheduled. But for now, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, no, no public events, um, you know, we're, we're toning back our fundraising type of stuff. You know, people are hurting right now and you, you don't want to hammer them for, for donations. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of the same things that you just spoke about, um, you know, just trying to be careful and, and, and move forward delicately, still get our message out there, still communicate with our supporters. Um, yeah. Keep our heads down and, and drive through. Yeah. Now we're still doing work. Um, you know, what, what yeah. we've shifted into is a lot of the background planning um, mm-hmm. to make sure that, that we're successful with, you know, we still have a job to do for wildlife and, sure. and we're still doing that job. In fact, I met you for the first time uh, earlier this week on a, on a video conference call uh, for Recovering America's Wildlife Act planning. Um, and so all that's still going on, you yep. know, we're, we're still doing the behind the scenes job. We're shifting, we're adapting, we're still working for wildlife. Um, but, but we're, we're being cognizant of the situation and understand what the first priority for the country and our, our neighbors and our family is. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, these things that we work on, they're, they're not just going away. Um, they're there um, and they're still a big problem. Uh, and, you know, if they try to slip that uranium mine in there in the Grand Canyon, we're going to be right there fighting it, you know, regardless of our current situation. Now, um, you, you have uh, uh, children that you mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. four and seven. Is, is that right? Yes. And, uh, uh, you take advantage of the Free Ranger uh, Rick uh, program going on just so okay. folks know um, we publish Ranger Rick magazines and at least through uh, the middle of the summer we've made all the online content free for uh, folks who are newly homeschooling their kiddos um, have you had a chance to take a look at those yet man you put me on the spot um, <laughs> I, uh, and I'm so ashamed of myself I have not yet I was just talking this morning how I got to take advantage of that um, I grew up with that magazine um, okay. So, so I'm a fan and I want that to be a part of my children's lives. Um, but, you know, as you know, it's working from home with two kids. And if I'm my, my wife's work at work, I've got two hungry kids all day long. They're always hungry. Um, you know, I've got a seven month old German short haired pointer pup that is full of energy. Um, you know, and I got to give my kids some kind of education, you know, while they're out of school. So it's tough juggling all these things. So that's my excuse for not having signed them up yet. But, um, I, you know what, I, I will promise you right now it'll be done by this evening. Um, and it is something I've been planning on. Yeah. I had a neighbor ask me how I'm keeping busy. I said, we've got two uh, parents working from home full time while also trying to take care of a, of a 13 month old uh, toddler. I said, the problem isn't keeping busy. It's finding a spare minute. Um, I I, I think I've tied fewer flies since the lockdown went into place than I did in the beforehand. So yeah, yeah, I hear all these stirrings about people with time on their hands and need <laughs> something to do. And you know, I got one buddy uh, here in Arizona, Dave, Dave Ross, uh, just a fantastic human being. He's he's on the board of directors with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and just a phenomenal wild game cook. And he is spitting stuff out on social media every day, and it, I'm just feeling inadequate. Um, I don't know where. Actually, you know, I know he doesn't have time. He's a nurse, but but he's finding it somewhere. And I don't know how people are doing it because I'm just busy as could be. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm privileged uh, to, to, to be busy and uh, privileged to be busy getting to interview you and uh, learn about your work in the Arizona Wildlife Federation. It's part of my job. Um, where can people learn more about the Arizona Wildlife Federation? Sure, sure. Um, it's azwildlife.org is our website. Uh, definitely get on there, have a look. There's a lot of good history about us. Um, you know, you can find out who our board of directors is. You can find out who our staffers is. You can find out about projects we're working on. Um, and also you can sign up for our e-newsletter and that will keep you up to date. Then, uh, of course, we have the, the regular social media channels. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and you can find us on Instagram. So in, any of those sources can keep you up, up to date on, on what we're currently working on. Great. And uh, since we've already mentioned Hunt to Eat and they help support our uh, non-lead campaign as well, uh, check out Hunt to Eat at hunttoeat.com. And as always, check out Rep Your Water at repyourwater.com, who supports the podcast with a 3% conservation commitment. Um, any any final words for the, for the listeners before we sign off, Michael? Oh, not so much uh, other than Man, I, I again, I, I'm repeating myself, but I can't tell you how happy I am uh, in a position, you know, serving, you know, listeners, listeners like you have, you know, the people that that care about this, and um, you know, and they're all out there working hard on it, volunteering their time, and and here I am in a position where, you know, I, I get to work on this for at least eight hours a day and, and get paid for it, and I, I'm extremely grateful for that, and I, and I certainly hope I can, I can make it all worth it, uh, earn my keep, so to speak. Um, 
yeah, that's all I would have to say. I think uh, I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to be serving folks like your listeners. Terrific. And uh, from the, from what I've heard about you from folks like uh, Jesse Dubell in New Mexico, you'll do a fine job of that. So um, go back and uh, check out the episode with uh, Jesse as well as the episode with uh, Matin Patelis of Hunt to Eat as well. This has been the National Wildlife Federation Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Drew Youngdike.